0: If it's nerdy, we're into it. Gaming, movies, television, wrestling, comics, whatever. We are Kyle Eckert and Chris Heck, two lifelong friends with a passion for the world of geekery. And this is the Geek Catch-Up Podcast. What's good, Geek catch listeners? You are listening to Season 2, Chapter 36. Today, we're excited to have our good friend and tattoo artist Alex Santalosi on the show to discuss the season wrap-up of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. The season was jam-packed with twists and big reveals, and we can't wait to hear what Alex has to say.
1: Welcome back, Eat Ketchup family. As Kyle said in the intro, we are excited to be talking about the entire first season of The Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we'll jump into that here in a few minutes. But before we do, we have to take a few minutes to introduce you to a very special guest that is making their debut on the show today. Alex is an absolutely amazing tattoo artist here in Charlotte and is the owner of Iron Ghost Tattoos. And over the last four to five years, Kyle and I have had the chance to get to know her And she has spent countless hours zapping geekery sleeves onto our arms. So she's become a great friend of ours and the Geek Ketchup podcast. In fact, Alex is so OG with our show that she is the one who crafted our awesome logo with Kyle and I as our favorite X-Men. And you may actually be our original fan. I'm not sure, but I think it's arguable.
2: (laughs) I mean, I'm definitely, yeah, OG in that way. Uh, My name's Alex. Um, I'm a tattoo artist uh, here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I am right now. Been into nerdy stuff my whole life. was super pumped when, you know, you said you were starting up a podcast and everything. I uh, tattoo at Iron Ghost, which is a shop I own. Uh, you can find us at Iron Ghost Tattoo on Instagram or uh, www.ironghosttattoo.com. And then I'm on uh, Instagram as AlexTattoosNC. Um, yeah, and I just love that both you guys have let me put so much nerdy stuff on you. And it's, <laughs> yeah, all my favorite stuff.
1: Well, you do the best work. Definitely go check out all of the accounts, all sorts of styles, tons of geekery, tons of food. Uh, but pretty much anything in between. You never cease to amaze me with the fact that you you can pretty much do anything in tattoo form. And, uh, and of course, before we go too far here, I can't forget Kyle, who, you know, fun fact, since we're talking about tattoos, he has a Winter Soldier tattoo that was done by Alex.
2: That was my first Winter Soldier tattoo I ever did, too. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: It is in the, the
0: shape of a Funko Pop face, so it's a little cutesy, but... I didn't realize it was your first Winter Soldier one. And you've done a few of those.
2: I have done a few since, and I have a, a Winter Soldier Thick Boy coming up. So I'm super pumped on that. Um, I have a client, and we've done a bunch of um, our Thick Boyer uh, pin-up guys um, on her leg, and they're all uh, greasy boys. So we have Loki and uh, Kylo Ren, and now we're going to do um, the Winter Soldier next, which I'm super stoked about.
1: That'll be sweet.
0: Yeah, that, that is going to be sweet. That sounds awesome.
1: So before I forget, just uh, if you don't know me yet, of course, I am Chris Heck. And so uh, now that we've got everyone established, let's jump in and have some fun here. So Alex, as you know, we don't let anybody come on our show without talking about what you've been geeking out on lately. You know, it can be that you're just glued to a comic book or a TV show. Um, I know with you, you work on a lot of art. So what have you been geeking out on lately?
2: art a lot because just with work and uh, and everything, um, obviously I've been watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier and just uh, consuming everything I can about that, uh, a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I also just picked up a comic by Dave Eversoll. it's called Dash and it's like a gay private eye hmm. and it's an independent guy, I have it because I was going to forget the name of it, <laughs> so that just came a couple days ago, I haven't gotten to get too far into it, uh, but I just found that on Instagram. Yeah, I was just like, "Oh shit, <laughs> that's some uh good representation and stuff." So uh, that's what I'm going to be reading
0: next for sure.
1: That's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, is it like a a creator published comic? That's a great question.
2: Um, it is Northwest Press. Yeah, I think it's print on demand. Nice, but it's pretty big. Um, the art was pretty oh, good wow. too. Uh, I know you guys can't like can't see it out and if You're just listening to the podcast, but uh,
1: that's like a full trade there.
2: Yeah, ex- yeah, it's super like. That, but it's uh yeah it's Dave Ebersall and Delia Gable
1: nice awesome
2: who did it so I'll let you know how it is
1: hey can't go wrong with a good uh private eye mystery type story
2: right yeah and it's uh it's noir so gotta love it
1: even better yeah well very cool well you mentioned Falcon the Winter Soldier and of course that is what we are here to talk about it was a packed six episodes And so, you know, we may not go through every single detail, um, but we are going to walk through it here and share our thoughts. So before we jump in, just a little bit of background, right? The Falcon and Winter Soldier debuted on Disney Plus on March 19th, and it ran for six episodes, pretty much as a miniseries, through April 23rd. And at a high level, the show pretty much followed Sam Wilson or the Falcon and Bucky Barnes, also known as the Winter Soldier During a time shortly after the events of Avengers Endgame, you know, where Steve Rogers is now gone, half the planet's population has been suddenly returned from the blip after five years, and as I said, not going to hit every detail here, but if you have not watched the show or you have not finished the season, consider this your spoiler warning because we will not be holding back. So with episode one, you know, it really jumped in right away and opened up with Sam on an international mission to rescue a military hostage in what turned out to be a pretty intense dogfight or kind of a high-speed chase between the Falcon and multiple helicopters that really opened up the series and, and set the tone. From there, we also got our first introduction to how Bucky's life is going during his time working with a therapist, his struggles to make amends for his past, and even some of the glimpses of his deeds as the Winter Soldier, which were pretty cool. And then really what everybody was wondering about, right? We get our eyes on Captain S.H.I.E.L.D. for the first time in a while, um, as Sam turned it over to the government. And then it ultimately wrapped up with that introduction of John Walker as the new Captain America. So I wanted to really jump in here and find out, you know, after all the wait, all the hype, especially with the two of you being huge Winter Soldier fans, big Captain America fans and all that, you know, what did you think of this pilot episode, and did it live up to the hype that was built for the show? I was really
2: into it. Like going back and watching now that I've all seen them uh, and everything. Like when I went to rewatch them today, I didn't really pay attention, and it it, it is uh, it was a great inter- introduction to it. But I think on the rewatch, it's not something I'll hit again. Mm. Just because like it was great. I love that we got to catch up with everybody, and I like I really like that they had them separated for all of it because you did get that really like. When they come together in the epi- second episode, you get that like, "Yay, they're they're back" kind of thing, right? But the the dogfight was crazy, um, and I like that they just hit that action just straight away to let you know like what the what the whole show is going to be about.
0: Yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm right there with you. That the opening scene hit so hard, and I love that they went right back to Bat Rock. In, in George Saint Pierre, like that the who's the very first villain that Captain America fought in Winter Soldier, and they just hit that t- they hit that tone where this is what this story's gonna be. It's it's gonna be a continuation of Cap's trilogy and, you know, it's it's gonna be high action and with some political thrillerness and mixed in with the home life. Uh, you know, and kind of adjusting back to normal society, which we didn't get a too much out of in, in Cap story, but we got a little bit. You know, him trying to find his way after being frozen for so long. I agree. I think in the long term, it may be something you go back and watch individual clips on, like, YouTube. Right there in the beginning, the the hype level was just through the roof. With the dogfight and the wings and the squirrel suit, like, it just, it set the tone perfectly that this is going to be a high-action type show and get things rolling.
1: I just, it was really, really well done. Yeah, and there was some really cool moments in that scene that i thought were kind of original i mean we've seen falcon and what he can do with the wingsuit and everything you know throughout a number of movies now but with this focus on him i thought they kind of went next level with the use of red wing the ai drone and you know when he's flying through the helicopter to grab people out of them and just really getting close up between just a man flying (laughs) on a suit and these, like, hind Russian military helicopters with missiles. I mean, it really elevated him even further because, unfortunately, just the nature of the beast, right, you know, with, with the movies and the emphasis on Captain and Tony and everybody else, I mean, you only get so much of the side characters. So I thought that that was a really cool way to elevate him and his abilities right off the bat. But I, I did think it was kind of an interesting turn that, and this is, I thought, was a theme for me throughout the whole show, but every episode was almost like the tale of two stories. You know, you mentioned the home life, but it's like when you got the action, it was like really intense, high-tilt, high high-energy high action, and then it would just slow way, way down, and, and you would get that interpersonal, and it worked, but as I mentioned when we first talked about it, I thought it, it it kind of took my, my hype level down just a touch when was watching it week to week. And then when I went back and watched it a second time, I thought it fit together a little better. Um, I don't know if either of you noticed that or had any thoughts there, but I I, th- I thought it was just a little bit of a tempo roller coaster.
2: Absolutely. There was definitely some episodes where, like, I think the really good example is episode four to five, where, like, the beginning of five really felt like the end of four. Right. And it's just, and then it just, it is drops right off like drops. And it's great. Cause they like, they build it back up with the montages and stuff. But like, I feel like being a departure from where, uh, four was like, build, 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 build. And then they had that big, like civil war esque fight. And then it, right. for it to drop off like that was, was definitely jarring just cause the whole series, it kind of felt like it was building and building and building and building. Um, and then it was just kind of like a premature, thing um but watching it all together of course is better because you know that episode six is just like there but i totally agree with what you're saying about like the feel and the highs and lows and everything and the pacing
1: yeah it was weird because i mean i went back and forth right it 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 made sense as a miniseries, you know if you look at it as a whole it was like a great one shot for this character and pushing the the legend of captain america i guess you know forward in the mcu but I I got this sense, like, especially when you're talking about, like, later on the in the season, four to five, it just kept striking me. I was like, this show really needed, like, two to four more episodes.
2: Totally agree. Or, like, 25. Whatever. <laughs> 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 78 more episodes. Forever episodes. Uh, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll, like, I know there's been rumors of a season two. I'm totally for it. It uh, probably won't happen because I'm into it.
0: See, I don't, I think maybe the last episode, I don't know if I'd want like three to four. I think I'd want one. And you stretch the finale into two episodes or maybe like, yeah, I'd say another hour or so. But I, I also agree with you, Alex, that episode five, it, it it's a hype. They're building, building, building. And then it's almost like, oh, we forgot to go back and finish the Louisiana story. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like let's yeah. go back, and so what
1: happened to the boat?
0: <laughs> yeah, everything slows down, and yeah, they montage the you know the fix them. I think of the the end of Red Dead Two where they're building the house,
1: yeah, and mm-hmm. the like,
0: montage and the songs playing in the background, and they're <laughs> fixing the boat and trying it out and this and that. But I don't know if I could have taken like four or five unless they were going to start introducing other characters or taking in other directions. Mainly thinking like Sharon with the power broker deal, sure, like explore that a little more and maybe get another couple episodes but Go to the moon. given the stories that they were telling us i don't know if i would want 4 or 5 and it's that's really hard for me to say that i want less <laughs> falcon winter soldier <laughs> I but like what
1: <laughs> yeah right.
0: stretch the last the last episode out a little bit
1: yeah it just it gave me this feeling like like this would have been a good movie
2: i was thinking that today
1: and it doesn't always happen this way but it like it just seemed like okay like this could have been a movie instead of a show and then they cut it apart to give us episodes and maybe it just felt like it was in this middle ground. Like it needed either more time or more condensing.
2: And I think a lot of that might have to do with the fact that they had to cut out that huge pandemic plot thing that they cut out for COVID.
1: Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Because they had this whole other thing and you can kind of tell in like episode three is Madripoor, I think. Yep. And there's some weird voiceover stuff um, where they talk about, uh, where he's talking about like a mama Danya or whatever. Um, where it's like alluding to tuberculosis, where they may have thought that was actually part of this pandemic subplot that was cut for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but I think that might've had to do with some of the jumping and, uh, and some of the weird pacing decisions or whatever, or maybe even the length of the series. I don't know how long it was supposed to be originally.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe they recorded a bunch else and then kind of did like a Snyder cut situation. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Joss Whedon came in and, and, and Jeff, trimmed yeah. it up. <laughs>
0: yeah. T- trimmed it up, yeah. Trimmed yeah. it up by making it two hours longer somehow. Right,
1: yeah. right. Yeah.
0: No, <laughs> Not my
1: best analogy.
2: <laughs> it's a pretty good one.
1: So really, you know, we go through all of that. and And I thought that I would see what you all thought about the Winter Soldier. Because, you know, there was a lot going on with Sam. But we get this good insight into Bucky... As Alex shows us her custom Winter Soldier mug, that was awesome. But yeah, so, you know, we get these really good insights into Bucky and where he's at and how he's struggling, but also some glimpses into his time as the Winter Soldier that we have not seen before. So, you know, I imagine you all geeked out pretty hard being such big Bucky Barnes fans.
2: So hard. Um, yeah, that's what, like, uh, when I say 78 episodes, just, like, 78 episodes of him murdering people would be (laughs) chef's kiss, super tight. Uh, no, but I love that they brought that back, um, and just because I think you needed the reminder of, like, how brutal he was, um, because he is so sympathetic the entire time, just to get, like, that's the first episode, right, that they do, okay, that's, so... I would probably rewatch the first episode a bunch of times. In that case, <laughs> he's got the wig on, so you know. I love that they made that choice to do that right away and have it be super brutal and have him not spare that guy. And uh and yeah, I I love everything about what they did with this character. Almost. Well,
0: I, I think yeah, definitely. I think it was the very first time you see him. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's an immediate cut. You don't see modern day Bucky. You you see Winter Soldier, and he just because you needed that reminder. He's been a good guy for so long. He's been a good guy for probably you know maybe it's only three four movies but it's been eight years for us like that we've seen him in this light and come become accustomed to him being you know the the vibranium arm instead of the soviet union like starred arm and things like that or the hydra arm so yeah had to, to see him like one shot kill people and no hesitation kill people is is something a little different than what we've seen in a while and to have that reminder was super cool and I'm I'm totally with you, Alex. Like if you could give me more time, like more of those secret agent missions, I think that'd be really cool. Like especially they talk about it in the second episode with Isaiah. I want that whole fight scene.
2: Right? Yeah. They could have done the whole thing. Uh like that's where I'm kind of holding out where they'll like I'm hoping for like a flashback cameo in um Black Widow. Like fingers crossed, I wanna see that. Like that's what I've like my theory has been the whole time where they keep pushing them back together is cause they had to have One come out before, like they had to have Winter Soldier and Falcon uh, come out before Black Widow. It's totally like tinfoil hat stuff. I also talk with my hands all the time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I so hope that happens. But I would, yeah, again, love to see that whole fight between him and uh,
1: Isaiah. Yeah.
2: Thank you. (laughs) I was like, I going not remember this name at all.
1: Well, I think we're in agreement then because that was another thought I had was like, I would take an entire show of just the Winter Soldier escapades. I mean, that would be epic. And, you know, he, we all have talked, Sebastian Stan is so good with that character. And they were just giving, it was like just teases. Yeah. That's all they yeah. were giving <laughs> us were these teases of like the real version that we all want to see. So I thought that that was really cool. So we get those introductions and you really kind of think, okay, you know, this is what the show's going to be about. And then, you know, that tease at the end of episode one where we see John Walker for the first time and he comes out as the new official Captain America uh, how did you react to that?
2: just instant hatred. Uh, I think of Ooh. course, I know White Russell and I like White Russell and Kurt Russell is one of my favorite people on earth. um but yeah, I was just like the ears and I was like, you do feed jerk. <laughs> um, but I think that's what they wanted. I think that's why they shot it that way. Uh, I totally totally bought into it that I was like, you're the worst. I'm here for it., uh, it's great. And then, like, you know, I totally was on whatever ride they wanted to put me on with him like we we're like oh maybe he's not that bad and then you know just back and forth
0: yeah i was different and i like i, <laughs> I said the first time we talked about this last time but i think part of that is my history with john walker and kind of like okay they're gonna introduce him and he's gonna be real vicious and then they'll they'll turn him into u.s agent and it'll be okay and happy you know i'll be happy at the end so when he first got introduced, I'm pretty confident I was the only person on the planet that was like, "Yeah, I like, kind of like it. I liked his suit. Uh, like, I just liked everything about it. Of course, he he is a, like a d bag, like, and he's he's meant to be. You're you're not supposed to like him, and so like he played that perfectly. Uh, but uh, but I did. I might be the only person that considered actually buying the John Walker Captain America pop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was wondering who they were making merch for. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but now I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, because you really think like, because I thought, man, one, I, I like the U.S. agent. I like the idea of, of just being a different styled Captain America and like the Ares of Grey. We've talked about like a thousand times how much I like those characters. Kind of why I like the Winter Soldier so much, who is just operates in this world that is very realistic where there is no good people, bad people. This isn't some Jedi Sith thing where everything is destined to be one way or the other. Like you you kind of you get the good job done, but in a bad way. And I like characters like that. Um, and you could just tell that John Walker was going to be that guy out the gate.
2: I definitely like him more upon rewatching, too. Like when I watched it this time, I was like, I like him more than ever because um, I've rewatched it a f- you know, once or twice or four times or whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this time I was like, you know what? But still when he shows up in that first episode, I'm like, oh, I hate you.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh no matter no matter what. Wrong. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's on purpose.
1: Yeah. I mean, you just see it and it's like the suit's a little different and, and he's holding Captain Shield and you're like, that doesn't belong to you. You know? Like it, it it just invoked like um the same type of emotions for me that you get when you watch wrestling sometimes. And and they just they unveil a new character, a new version of a character, and you're just like, Nope. That guy does not have it. And and it's all just on looks. He hasn't even done a single suplex in ring. You're just like, fuck this guy. And, and you're ready to move on, you know?
2: Exactly. Yes.
1: But yeah, so that, it was really an interesting, especially with the, the one episode a week release here, you know, it was an interesting situation too, because that was a big reveal right there at the end. And then you're like, oh, I've got to wait a whole week to see where this goes. But, you know, next up in episode two, we got a a lot of emphasis on uh, the new Star Spangled Man, you know, his background, his partner, Battlestar. Um, There was a cool scene where they kind of went back to like his high school in Good Morning America and were introducing him to the world. Like, all of that felt so real. Like, this is exactly what would happen if this situation happened in real life. You know, the PR campaign would be massive. But from there, you know, we started to see a little bit more about the series antagonists, you know, Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers, who were essentially like a group of refugees that have taken super soldier serum and now are opposing the world's government's, you know, their efforts to resettle millions of all these people who return from the blip. And and as you kind of alluded to, you know, here in this, we're still seeing a lot of struggle between Bucky and Sam because they are... Not really best friends at the moment. They have a lot of strife over Steve and and what Sam did with the S.H.I.E.L.D., giving it to the museum and the government. Um, But ultimately, it was really kind of tied together well when Bucky introduces Sam to and really probably most every Marvel fan out there, especially MCU kind of common fan, to Isaiah Bradley. So this episode really had a lot of reveals and introductions, took some of those characters a little further um, but what did you all find most interesting out of this one? Was it the flag smashers? Was it Isaiah Bradley? What did you think, Alex?
2: There was so much in this episode. Uh I, like and I think almost all of the uh the trailer came out of this episode too, which was kind of crazy because as you're watching it you're like, "Oh, this is all from one episode." Like that which like made me feel like good point. yeah, there was so much more left, which I was really excited about cuz so often with trailers you see everything, um, but seeing I was like it hit everything um, in it just about except for the um, the one end scene or whatever. But uh, so that that was really exciting. Um, I really liked my favorite part, uh, and this is was kind of a trailer reveal. Is like he ripped off the the sleeve and jumped in the the woods and everything. And I like that he doesn't like Bucky Barnes does not superhero land right at all. I think until the very end he gets one. But he does not. He lands on his fa- like, and this goes back to Civil War. Like, I don't think he's ever stuck a superhero landing, which I love because um, he's such a mess. Yeah. But that whole thing and all his interactions with Sam, like that whole sequence with the truck fight and everything, and watching him speed run uh, and getting to watch a little bit more of his like super soldier side was really neat for me.
1: For sure, him and him and uh, Anthony Mackie have great chemistry. I think together the best. Yeah, I I, I
0: enjoyed a lot of, like, Sebastian Stan and doing the Winter Soldier. And it's kind of funny, once you mentioned it, it's got me thinking a little bit that whenever Bucky is presented in Winter Soldier mode, he's very clean and precise. But whenever it's Bucky, it's almost like his brain gets in the way Mm. and he's operating at 75%. Like, because he doesn't want to go full tilt because he's afraid he's going to hurt somebody. And, you know, and I think most athletes... Would probably say this if you ever try to go seventy five percent. It's usually how you end up hurting yourself because you're trying to stay restrained. Yeah, and so like I, I like to think that that dynamic was worked into it, where you know when when Bucky is just being James Buchanan Barnes, he you know he's awkward, he can't stick that landing. But when he is the Winter Soldier, you better believe he's going to stick the landing and probably take somebody down like as he lands, and it's just going to be perfect.
1: It's a good point because I know a lot of times for me as a little bit more casual Winter Soldier fan, I kept watching some of these fight scenes going, what What are you doing, Bucky? Like, I was just like, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you could just rip this guy's face off.
2: I thought, you yeah, know? I was screaming <laughs> the whole time. And then I was like, oh, this is on purpose because rule number two. But, yeah, I was like, right, yeah. just Yeah, rip all of their arms off and beat them to death. Like, I don't understand. But then it's like he's trying to be a better person, which I can't relate to, I guess.
1: (laughs) Trying not to hurt people.
0: (laughs) Well, they highlighted a few times, and I can't remember exactly where I saw this, but, like, at some point he says that he's right-handed. So anytime you see Bucky using a gun, it's always with his right hand. But when he goes full Winter Soldier, he's ambidextrous,
1: and he can use both hands equally as well. It was during one of the slower moments when he's helping him fix the boat, Episode 5. Yeah, and and Sam tries to like use a wrench to fix a bolt and Bucky comes over but he instead of using the arm, yeah, he uses his right arm and and does it normal and they're like, "Why didn't you just use the arm?" And he's like, <laughs> "I'm right-handed, man. I don't ever think about it." Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: Such a good part. <laughs> it's just these little 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 hints, right, that go through there. But what did y'all think about the Flag Smashers um, and really their plight and really them as like antagonists or the villains of the show here?
2: I thought they were a red herring uh, <laughs> pretty much until the end um, because I was like, they're they're so sympathetic and uh, and they're just kids. And obviously, like, it very much reflects like kind of what's going on. Um, so I was like, I, always, I felt like I was like, man, they got to be the decoy. Like John Walker is going to be this like crazy you know thing um and i thought they were gonna really lean into that and then uh i which because i forgot the power broker existed um until the end of this episode they were all right i like i think they they were exactly what they needed to be i guess maybe
1: that's fair they were uh, they were underwhelming though i thought
0: yeah oh totally agree i think they were untrained because they were a bunch of kids who just happened to come across the super soldier serum and have enhancements but they they weren't military they've never been trained uh you know the the way that the original people that were given the super soldier serum were they were russian spies and russian covert operatives so i agree though they they, in the end they were they weren't as integral to the story as i thought they'd be right but i think carly herself and the motivations behind them were
1: Yeah, the motivations that were were intriguing, especially how they fit into the blip and like where the world is today, but they were very forgettable as far as characters and villains, I thought. And some of that, it kind of comes to light, I think, or makes sense as you make it through the entire series because you really kind of realize that this show had a lot of different purposes or motivations. And so by the end, I found like, to your point like they were kind of a red herring in a way but even though we never got that next like big bad you know reveal pulling the strings whatever it was with he, with this to me the show actually was more about the struggle between Sam and the shield like it was like the villain was almost more about the shield if that makes sense and like who totally should take it or sense. what yeah. versus what they were putting in in front of our faces with the flag smashers
2: like the villain was us all along is yeah, what it
0: was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think like the, the villain was the establishment, which is very Captain America. Well that's and, and true. That the yeah. villain is the, the governments of the world and the establish the man, you know, not necessarily an individual person, like an idea almost. And and he's combating this with, with his ideas.
1: That's true. That's true. And we did see some of that, I guess, when they brought in the Isaiah Bradley character here and, you know, kind of tied in this deeper lore behind the super soldiers and the government, you know, essentially using him and other African-American soldiers like they did the Tuskegee airmen. And, and I thought that that was really, really awesome of Marvel because very few people know who Isaiah Bradley is. I mean, I admittedly 100% had to go look at him, look him up to get the full backstory. But in doing that, you realize that he's only made a handful of appearances He got one. And recently. Right. And more recently. Exactly. I think the original um, that I saw here, it was called Truth, Red, White, Mm -hmm. and Black came out in 2003.
2: Which is what the fifth episode is called, I think.
1: Yeah. Truth. And so they had, they didn't have to do it is what I'm getting at. You know, like Marvel did not have to put the emphasis and introduce a character like Isaiah Bradley into the universe but the fact that they did, I thought, was very, very powerful.
0: I geeked out over his grandson, and I, I still think that's going to be the continuation legacy of Isaiah. Is like they're going to do something with Elijah. Like they're going to they're going to turn him into something. Maybe not the Young Avengers, even though it's right there. It's right there, Disney. It's right. There. <laughs> they, they've introduced like
2: everybody from it though, because like uh, Hawkeye's daughter is coming up and they already did Wiccan and Speed. Yeah. Like, I I can't see how it doesn't end up there.
0: Yeah, it's it's got to go. It's, it's, you're right. It's, like, it's it all right to. there. I just want it. <laughs> um, we can just hope. Yeah. But if they don't, they could at least continue his story in, in some way, whether it's whatever happens in the future, if we get a season two or a miniseries two or this continues on into... Uh, a movie of some kind i don't want to get ahead of ourselves here and talk future of the show before we finish up the show but like that's where i geeked out the hardest it it was like yeah it was cool awesome callbacks amazing but to to kind of plant the seed of the legacy moving forward is what got me the most excited
1: well and they didn't have to include the grandson Yeah. Yeah. You know, so to your point, like they did that for a specific reason. And as you said, Alex, you know, Wicked and Speed and these other characters that are starting to pop up, it is definitely potential, whether it's a show or a mini series or a movie. I mean, they've got so many options now that's like everything is on the table.
2: And it has to keep going some way, you know. (laughs) They're gonna like people are gonna start dying in real life, like they gotta let the let the kids go. But um yeah, I don't think I don't see how they like I think they had to address Isaiah Bradley. And I think they had to address all of that uh, to do this story that they were doing. Like, I don't think you can, like, I feel like, you know, maybe three, five years ago, you wouldn't have had to bring him in or anything like that. But I don't think there was a way they could have left him out uh, in this day and age, like trying to do this story of giving Sam the shield.
1: Well, I agree with you there. I mean, it fit perfectly for this story and the struggle of Sam and his history and taking up the mantle of Captain America. So I thought it fit perfectly for what they told here. I just meant that, like, in general, like, they could have never done that and they could have done the story differently. And and nobody would have batted an eye because so few people even know that there is a character like Isaiah Bradley, even in the comic book history.
2: Absolutely, like they could have gone to like a graveyard or something and been like, oh, right, that's him right there, yeah. but yeah.
1: Right, or an off mention or, or something like that, but to put him front and center and have those emotional impacts when they were having those discussions, I thought, you know, I only come back to it, I just thought it was powerful. It was good commentary, they were good characters, it was well executed, um, so I, I just bravo to Marvel on that one, I thought.
0: Absolutely. Progressed Sam's story really well, too. Yeah. Because it rounded him out.
1: Well, and it challenged him intrapersonally. He challenged Isaiah back. And so, you know, there was a lot of good dialogue in those in those moments, too. So from there, then, we jumped into episode three. and And to me, this is really where things started to pick up and move from, you know, setting the stage to just serving up some juicy meat and potatoes. Because we get the full involvement of Baron Zemo here. He's now been brought back. We get the introduction of that stunning city of Madripoor that cannot wait to see more of in the future. We hear some whispers of a CD character called the Power Broker, and uh, and then of course you know you get that epic tease at the end of the door malage with Bucky right there, which I mean that was kind of a theme in this show. I thought there's a lot of teases right at the end of each episode to make you just
2: tune in next time. Can't wait,
1: <laughs> yeah, to come back, yeah. <laughs> But I know you mentioned Madripoor being pretty cool. We had Baron Zemo here. We saw the Super Soldier Serum being developed, so there was a lot of little bits and pieces that were kind of filling in some holes from previous MCU, but then also what we saw in the first two episodes. So what did you all think here about uh, episode three?
2: I really liked it. Um, I thought it was cool they had the princess bar there, too. Um, I was a little let down because I was really like I just wanted any whisper of Wolverine in it. Like Ooh. any like I was like please, God, please just let them like just maybe like the haircut in the background or a guy with an eye patch that may, you're like, oh maybe he's patches or whatever. But um <laughs> <laughs> but so I the first time I watched it, I was definitely just like waiting for that the whole time. I was like, this is this is it. But then upon rewatching it, I love the whole feel of it. And I love that Kind of a uh, blade runner cyberpunk yeah. thing, um the set was built in Georgia, which is wild. I know all of it was filmed, but just the fact that like that also was is is insane, true, yeah, and I love the Zemo thing, um also like just having him in it, and the part where like Bucky's talking about how to break him out of
1: jail or whatever, yes,
2: that reminded me so much. Have you guys seen Logan lucky?
1: No, I don't think so,
2: okay. So he plays like this race car driver in Logan Lucky and he's talking about how he like stays healthy. It's a bit part, but it's still Sebastian Stan. And it's so similar, like the way it's delivered, the way up. Yeah, it's it's I'll send it to you later. But yeah, it reminded me exactly of that part because just the delivery and he's talking about the hardware and the software. I was like, this is like straight out of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> like I love Zemo so much. Also like dancing Zemo forever.
1: And ever. <laughs> oh yeah like every aspect of, of Zemo was was on point in this what do you think Kyle oh I mean it's just I can just be like yes to everything you just said <laughs> like, there's
0: not much more that I, I feel like I, I need to add or, or even can add because like yes to literally everything you just said like yep that it was it was just so good and like bringing, bringing Zemo back and I, I'm a sucker for you know having the bad guy with you and you got to keep your eye on him because you know he's going to do some shady stuff, but he's going to get you the result that you want, you know. And so, and it just had those vibes the entire time and sneaking into the city and into the bar
1: and everything. Just, yes, it's the whole episode. <laughs> well, on the scene in the bar, you know, you've got kind of some comedy going on with Falcon dressed up as a character <laughs> named Smiling Tiger, yeah, which was another just really interesting, tiny little like Easter egg. And I had to go look him up because he was a, Smiling Tiger is a real character in the comic books, but is super, super obscure. And and I thought that that was kind of interesting, but but when they have that moment where things get tense and Zemo looks at Bucky and kind of gives him like the, the Winter Soldier nod. You know, he doesn't give him the commands, but he's like, we got to do something here. And then B- Bucky just turns into Winter Soldier and just starts taking out everybody. Like, that was my favorite moment of the show up until that point. Because I just, it just had a different feel, different tone. The Madripoor seediness, you know, it was like, okay, this is where we're picking it up. And he just waxes, what, like six people yeah, easy and still looked like he was holding back.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: which was such a relief to see him like just beat the daylights out of people because like the truck thing i'm like why are people holding him and then like to see madripoor finally where he's just murdering people straight out. I was just like, "Oh, okay. Thank God he still got it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. It's fine." <laughs> Another thing I really liked, uh, and that they used throughout the series, was the score, and um, they used so much because it's the same guy that scored Winter Soldier and Civil War. So getting to hear the Zemo theme when you see Zemo, and you know, hear the Winter Soldier theme, and all of that, uh, really, I feel like takes you back to those places, um, even like subconsciously or whatever. But I thought all of that was really like. I started to feel more of it in this episode more than anything was the use of the score.
0: Yeah, that that deep cut right there. Because I'm gonna say, I, <laughs> I did not know that, and that just makes it even better. Like, I'm just going to give a more emphasis, emphasized yes.
1: <laughs> Alex is reading Kyle's mind and then and then sharing thoughts.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we called each other before this. It's fine. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then keeping the focus on Zemo. You know, that's really why we got the debut, or not the debut, the return of the Dora Millage. And so, really, I know even the second time watching through, when that scene at the end of episode three pops up and Bucky goes walking down the street and and runs into her, I got goosebumps both times. Like, even knowing it was coming, it was just like, oh my god. Because they're another set of characters that we've only seen so much of, um, but they've got some good comic lore. So, what were your thoughts there when she showed up?
2: I think she's so menacing, um, and I think she does such a good job with that, like going back to Civil War, uh, where he's like, uh, you know, when she's facing off with Natasha, you're just like, whoosh. Yeah. Like, yeah, she's like, it's almost like Jaws. Uh, You're just like, oh, man, you're going to end every, like, and it's just like that quiet danger thing. Right. um, And just like all business, like complete conviction. Uh, so, so excited to see her show up and especially because they've like, they've referenced Wakanda at, in every episode up to this point. So, um, actually getting to see Wakanda manifest in the series, I thought was amazing.
1: That's a really good point. I didn't think about the references. Cause for me, like when I, when I saw that scene, I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> like, I, I, I was almost like, didn't see it coming to be honest, but I was like, you know, they're, they're going to be involved here in the series.
0: I actually think the fight scene that goes down once like in this getting into episode four, once they like once the Dora Milaje fully show up, that might be my favorite fight scene in the whole series is when like Sam and Bucky or yeah, Sam and Bucky just kind of take a step back and let the, the Dora Milaje handle Lamar and John. Right. Like, it, it's yeah, pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Looking strong, John. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That that was for sure. It, up there as far as some of the best fight scenes in the show uh until you see the the fight scene that alex mentioned that's reminiscent of civil war i actually thought that i would be willing to have a barstool argument about how <laughs> that dora milaje fight scene was a top 10 in marvel history
2: yeah oh absolutely like, even though it
1: was short like it was just everything that happened i mean it was it was perfect doing it for me
0: yeah <laughs> Everything about it, like the teamwork, I think that that was what got me for that fight scene is the teamwork amongst them. You can tell that they're a unified group from throwing the spear and like catching it. So it really wasn't a throw. It was more of a pass to like the precision throw to lock. Hey, like, John's got the shield. And that's kind of all John is mm-hmm. at that point. Like he's just the shield and yeah, uh, in his dynamics and his fighting style versus like Steve was very martial arts, like punch, kick, like whatever. John is all shield. And so once that shield was taken away from him, he was nothing. He just got handled, put on his butt. So seeing that play out was awesome.
1: Well, and they kind of reminded me of, like, Batman. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting here watching them, how they are tearing apart, you know, Captain America. They know exactly how to defend and attack the shield. You know, she does the weird like five finger death punch thing to (laughs) Bucky's arm, you know, and and just removes it. And you think about like that level of preparation, like they have trained for probably every known superhero and villain on the planet expertly. And it was just like, all I could think about was Batman and like that level of cerebralness, you know, to know your enemy and, and be prepared for anything, whether you think they're your friend or your foe.
2: I, what I like about the Darmalaje is that they're so efficient. Like you can tell in that fight too, where they are just trying to kill. Like they like they, like if they're not stopped twice, they would have killed both Lamar and John. Probably. Like because like they literally like go to stab and it's grabbed twice, like both times. But like every, th- I feel like every move they make is meant to end a fight. Like they're not True. like oh, we're not going <laughs> to grapple or battle. It's just like this is going to be over right now. Uh, which I I love because you do I feel like you don't see a lot of that in movies where you're just like, no, I'm fighting to end this fight. Like this isn't for like cinema or anything. Like I just want this over as quickly as possible. Like we have stuff to do. So that was cool to see too.
1: Well, and in the words of John Walker, they weren't even super soldiers. Yes, yeah. they are just regular people. <laughs> yeah, it's you know? true. And like you think about all the tech of Wakanda, like they barely they use spears. Like they don't—they're not even like like all geared up. I mean, they are, but they aren't. You know, compared to <laughs> what they could have, if you think about yeah. the Black Panther suit or the arm that they made Bucky. Like they—they—they they, they look seemingly ordinary, but
2: guess they don't need it. Yeah,
1: well, right, they but like, that's could the have point.
2: Iron Man suits. Yeah, yeah. No, or that's they could what I'm all saying. have Black Panther suits. Yeah,
1: exactly. No, that's a great point. But they're like in dresses, just like <laughs> what you want. Like, nah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> got my vibranium shield or my vibranium spear and I'm good to go. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're so impressive. Like give me a Dora Milaje series now. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> oh, I expect to see a lot of the Dora Milaje come like, especially with, you know, the, the next black Panther and it kind of being about Wakanda as a whole, I would imagine versus T'Challa individually as the black Panther. I expect to see a lot of the, the secondary characters from that country come out and you know it's not just going to be the shuri show although I'd be cool with that I I think we're going to get a, a lot of you know the other characters fully developed Yeah
1: know, I think right. that's a good prediction uh as they move past of course you know Chadwick Boseman and all of that they're going to need to lean on them I think So but we alluded to it with episode 4 in the fight scene here um you know With that, you really just see the stakes keep escalating and tensions are growing even more between Falcon and Bucky and Zemo and Captain America. You know, they were never really on good terms from the beginning, but it just seemed like that conflict and tension continued to rise as we move through the episodes here. We did get a pretty critical scene between our hero and the villain, you know, when Sam confronts Carly and i thought that all in all that this episode was actually much more about the peripherals than you know the main story even though that moment between sam and carly with what was going on in the background of that with john walker you know seemingly losing his shit and and just making that heel turn from trying to be a good captain america to you know being impatient and it, it was really just kind of like this downward spiral that was happening as we were getting this crucial um, conversation between Sam and Carly. So I, I thought that the transition from like Boy Scout John Walker to, you know, that impatient person to like murderer was really hasty. And so I didn't know if you all had any thoughts there, but it, to me, it was reminiscent of almost like how they treated Daenerys in season eight of, of GOT, where it needed more time. It needed more flushed out, and it was just like bang, bang, bang. We went from, okay, here's a a Golden Boy Medal of Honor winner trying to be Captain America to now he doesn't trust anybody. He's ready to go. So did you all have any of those similar thoughts, or, or did you take it a different way?
2: My view with him was, uh, well also, I finished Game of Thrones last night. I finally watched the last oh, two wow. episodes, just in <laughs> case you brought it up. I started watching it, I watched all of it during quarantine except for the last two episodes. And I was like, let me just watch these. Cause I'm going to talk to Chris you tomorrow. Might as well.
3: Um,
2: so, But with, uh, with John Walker, um, I thought it was more, since they referenced what he did in Afghanistan or whatever, what I felt was that he was, um, he's probably, I feel like he was just a violent, person naturally and he was trying to be better so it's like kind of like uh you see the dudes that like you know they're in an abusive relationship and they're trying to get like the person back
3: yeah and then
2: they're like no i bought you flowers and like look how great i am and then it's like oh you know uh after a while like uh, or they're just like you know they can't keep up uh the charade anymore so right. then it's like you know it's murder time usa that's a good uh, but that's kind of how i felt about it yeah. because like yeah it, it was like i didn't think about it until you brought it up that it, it was a really quick transition like you see little bits like in the end of the first episode where he's like stay out of my way and everyone's like you're doing an impersonation of your dad
1: <laughs> right
2: <laughs> or that was episode two not episode one but i I feel like it was more just him especially with taking the super soldier serum during that episode uh that is hard to say,
3: <laughs> say <it three laughs> out loud now. yeah no <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I feel like with that with the fact that he's committed a it, they've alluded to the fact that he's committed atrocities in the past and they've given him medals for it. And uh, just his talk with Lamar in outside that cafe uh, right before Lamar rest in peace gets it. Yeah. I just feel like he was just like simmering, like waiting to boil over. And it would just needed a thing when you like, when you add the super soldier serum to that equation.
1: That's a good take. I didn't think about it from that, that perspective, but I think you might've hit the nail on the head there. Cause for me, I was kind of almost like the, look at it from the other side and And it wasn't working, but i it, if I were to rewatch with that perspective, I think i would I would see it a little better and maybe it wouldn't have felt so out of place or or hasty, as I said, you know, rushed and Kyle, you've got a little more history with John Walker in the comics. So what did you think there? I actually thought i I really liked it. I thought it it was well
0: done because what i what I picked up on, and I didn't catch this until second watches. Is that because John doesn't always get the the primary screen time, he's always almost in the background, which has got to be super frustrating when you're wearing the Captain America <laughs> uniform. Yeah. But like it, it's almost on that mindset that throughout, you know, episodes two and three, he's not leading his he like he's got to use Sam and Bucky to get the leads on, you know, this mystery as they try to figure out, you know, go full detective and that's frustrating him. So if you kind of catch him in the background, he's got these like twitches and these moments where like he, he's so used to being in control. That's true. You know, as a, when he was in the military and in saving lives and, you know, basically, and it all comes to head. Once again, I'm getting ahead of us, so I apologize. But like it comes ahead in, in this fifth episode where he kind of loses his mind on the senators in front of him being like, look, you built me to be this way. And that's all I've ever done is is done what you asked me to do and be what you've asked me to be. And so in the lead up to him, like kind of going full crazy, it's this idea that he just wants to be in control again. And he's been put in a situation where he's over his head and he's desperate to do anything to get the control back and to be the primary again. And ultimately it boils over and he goes too far.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you think, I guess, the the absolute pressure that the Captain America mantle would put on anybody. But then you add to the fact that Steve Rogers is like the greatest human of all Ever. time, yeah. you know. And so like the pressure of being like, a, the perfect golden boy. I imagine maybe that wasn't a good mix between those his desire to be as good as he is in, or good as he was in the military field and then adding in these expectations to live up to. Yeah. Yeah, it probably wasn't a good recipe for mental health.
2: Well, especially with, like, the PS, PTSD of whatever happened in Afghanistan. It's true. Because uh, that sounds horrible, uh, and I keep bringing that up. It's like, maybe we shouldn't have given this guy the mantle of Captain America.
0: Right. But it all plays back into the original theme of, like, trying to find the perfect soldier. And it's like, but that's not what you want in Captain America. You just want... You want a good man. You want a good man. And, like, <laughs> obviously, that's not an original thought. There's, like, a thousand memes out there of, <laughs> you know, Captain America, the first Avenger. But, like, it's, it holds true. It holds true that he is a probably a great, fantastic soldier, but that's just not right for Captain America.
2: And I think they allude to that, too, in episode two where uh, Bucky's like, have you ever jumped on a grenade? And he was like, yes. And it's like they've taken this, uh, you know, this good man part of Steve where he was self-sacrificial and everything and then turned it into this military training uh, and just, you know, oh, yeah, no, I have the reinforced helmet and all that. Like, so they've taken this gesture and turned it into a perfect soldier thing.
1: Yeah. That's true, because he even jokes about it. He's like, it's a thing. I've got this helmet, you know. Mm -hmm. Whereas Steve jumped on it with like his stomach.
2: Yeah, when he was like 90 pounds.
1: (laughs) Right, (laughs) exactly. Before he even had the serum. You know, and so speaking of that and the serum and kind of the craziness, right? So through this episode, probably the one other main thing to call out here was that, was that, you know, we do see John Walker get a hold of the serum. We do see Battlestar, his partner, pretty much get killed kind of by accident but it happens in the heat of battle and and then John Walker goes off and pretty much murders uh, <laughs> one of the battle smashers and the final scene here and I want to get to that real quick because that was some brutal and awesome imagery but I did have a question since we were talking about the serum and it's so important to the MCU but do you think that that vial of serum that John Walker took was like truly the last? super soldier serum that's in the mcu right now or are we going to see more of that in a future production
2: i think it depends on uh thunderbolt can't remember his last name uh because he was developing it in hulk right
0: yeah like that's part of the hulk's origins is that yeah. ba- banner was trying to reproduce it
2: so he made the abominate
0: not abomination that's superman what is his name no abomination
2: it is okay i was yeah. like what is the superman guy
0: you're thinking about doomsday
1: yeah. thank
2: you yeah yeah
1: Ugh yeah um, i know okay, all the dark so, things like. <laughs> so we know essentially then already that other people have been working on it as well is that what you're saying
2: yeah that's what i think and um you know also like if they need if they can take it out of someone's blood like bucky and isaiah are still alive uh and you know uh john good point so like there's always that possibility i think it's because i know um what is isaiah roberts grandson's name elijah yeah elijah so in i think in the comic books he become whatever his superhero identity is that i can, also can't remember cuz i have a great memory but um he actually doesn't get like he gets a blood transfusion from isaiah and that's how he gets like super soldier powers or whatever so i think we will see it especially if like if you if they go that route with him Um, And you are able to get super soldier powers from a a blood transfusion, like, who's not to say they're going to turn them into, like, a blood bag from Mad Max or whatever, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of always out there. That's probably
2: way too, like, gory, horrible. But, like, (laughs) I'm
1: just
0: saying, the option's there. Well, I think Zemo references that to some extent where like as long as a super soldier exists Mm, then the potential for more super soldiers will always exist and i don't know if there was a second or the third episode but he he kind of alludes to that idea um and that plays into comic book stuff like the red skull and baron zemo are constantly chasing steve rogers because they want his blood true uh for for one reason or another
1: yeah, that's a very good point. I didn't think about it from that perspective, but I know that they were kind of making such a big deal over, you know, we thought there wasn't any more out there, and now we see Carly had, you know, 20 vials of it or whatever it may be. And then they really kind of stressed it as Zemo was destroying all the vials that she had, but then he, you know, John finds that one last one. And and it's not a, a theme that they've been, too hard on as far as the mcu goes you know it it had been a little while since we had this kind of emphasis on super soldiers with all the other characters that have come out um but it just made me wonder if there was maybe they were saying there, like okay john walker might be the last authentic super soldier or not
2: Well, also, like, um, kind of calling back to WandaVision, like, when they took Vision's body, like, what did they do with Carly's body? Because we knew that, like, we know that Zemo blew up the truck, but, like, where is Carly's Uh, body? So it could, I mean, if they're doing that kind of thing, like, who's to say they're not going to just take her somewhere and take her blood out and do whatever with it? I mean, they took Vision completely apart, so why wouldn't they also do that?
1: That is a really good point, actually, because we never saw anything happen after she gets put on that stretcher.
2: No one's actually dead. No. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. No one's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even Lamar, cause like
0: Lamar died and we never actually see what happens to his body.
2: That's true. He is like, man, that it like, I, when I watched that though, I was like, man, if they've ever absolutely killed someone <laughs> in a Marvel thing, like just that, like, and then silenced from yeah. him. I was like, huh, he is the most dead. Yeah. That being said, he'll probably come back as a cyborg or something <laughs> or a wizard. A wizard. <laughs>
1: Well, and speaking of all the blood and the and the death, though, I mean, that's really exactly how this episode ended, and with you know, the great cliffhangers that this show had leading up to it, this might have been the most jaw-dropping for all the reasons, but, you know, so Battlestar dies, that really, truly kind of seals the deal for John Walker going crazy, and indiscriminately, he takes off, he's chasing down one of the Flag Smashers, and just brutally murders and beats him with the shield right in a town square with, you know, a hundred people, all cameras out, phones out, live streaming it. And that last scene with him holding the shield and it's just like half covered in blood. I mean, that imagery was so dark and different from everything we've seen with the shield and with Captain America. Um, how did you react to that?
2: Uh, I was, that's my favorite Marvel moment, I think, of all time. Uh, Ooh, really? Yeah. Uh, I was like, man, I'm going to get a bloody Captain America shield. Just, it happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not, okay. Maybe Steve getting the hammer.
1: But, like. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah.
2: I love Winter Soldier, and I love Civil War for different reasons. Um, But I think Civil War, feeling-wise, is a huge departure from the feeling of Winter Soldier, which is a lot more brutal. But that really felt like the um the progression from winter soldier. like that it just got more dark and that like a hundred percent that all the way. Um, so I was so pumped about that. Like, like it sucks, obviously. and it, it's terrible that he did that to the shield. And like in episode six, you see Sam kind of reacting and like that beautiful piece or whatever. But just in that moment, and I love that they showed that because I was not expecting to get all that on Disney Plus.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: but like, and especially with that, with the one-two punch with like Lamar getting super dead and then the the bloody shield, it was beautiful. It was everything I wanted.
1: What did you think,
0: Kyle? I mean, yeah, it was it was so powerful. Like it, it just cemented everything. Like the, you know, John Walker has gone down this path. Like it is very representative of probably what a lot of people think. Of, you know, the United States, especially in the show and the symbol of, you know, everything Carly was saying in regards to what that shield represents and the, you know, the government coming back and be caring about the people that came back versus the people that were still here. Like it, it just, it hit all the right notes. And it, like, honestly, you're right. I didn't think about it until just now that it was a Disney plus show and Disney went full out. You know, they, they didn't They didn't hold back in that scene. There was blood everywhere. It was vicious. They may not have shown, you know, the cut of the shield going into what I would assume that guy's either neck or chest, but all the imagery was there. And like the way the shield blocked out the light uh, from the guy that got killed earlier in the episode, literally talking about how he was a Captain America fan when he was a boy and like idolized him like all the right notes, all the right Easter eggs, and seeds planted to build to that epic, powerful moment.
2: I think too that like if there was any hope that Steve was going to be in this, <laughs> uh, this miniseries, like that was it. It was like no, Captain America is dead. Yeah, like he is not. Like he's not coming back. Like this is the thing. Like it can only go forward. We're not going back from here.
1: Yeah, it can't be changed. Uh, I thought. To your point, yeah, Disney Plus was that's an interesting other way to look at it because when I watched this, I remember one of my first thoughts was, you know, like what are the casual fans or the kids gonna think? Yeah. <laughs> and while the tone of the show, like it was definitely more PG thirteen or or built more maybe for the older fans to some extent, seeing that and just the straight departure that all of it was from, you know, ten or fifteen years of MCU world building. And and most casual fans only know Steve Rogers as the perfect, you know, all American hero. And and you think about how that correlates to life, like Kyle, you just alluded to, you know, how some people see the the United States And I mean, there are some people that that think the United States can do no wrong, that everything the American military does is perfect and virtuous and, you know, democracy. And then there's a lot of people like that are more real, that we understand that the world is much more gray. And for as much good as we've done in the world, right, or as much good as the military's done, we've also done a whole lot of bad. And and so, you know, I, I thought that there was just good imagery to fit the theme of the show of like, Hey, the world isn't black and white. The world is very much gray, you know, and for every, every good, there's also a lot of bad that's probably gone into helping make that good. If that makes sense.
2: Absolutely. No. And, um, I think too, like the whole, like with people filming, it is definitely like referencing what's been going on in America. Like as far as like police brutality and all that stuff, like, and people filming it, like, uh, I feel like that was super referenced and just in that end moment too.
0: Yeah. Well, encompassed in the title of the episode, the whole world is watching. Yeah. Yep. Boom. Right there. Every cell phone was out every, you know, every bit. And this is something that I kind of saw on like an Easter egg thread that apparently like in every John Walker scene, if you check the background, somebody has their phone out and is like, has it on him in some way because he's this, You know, he's a celebrity now and he's got to get used to that. Mm -hmm. But that's a carryover of like the Steve bit because everyone was constantly taking snapshots of Steve when they could in in the old, like whenever he was just trying to have dinner or something like or the most iconic moment is when he ripped the cab door off and blocked it. And there's a (laughs) photographer there like Captain America is a symbol and people are always going to have their eye on it. So you, you need to be better. And he was not in that moment.
2: He just needed a baseball cap so no one would know who it was. Because that's
1: (laughs) (laughs) the undercover outfit.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, just hoodie, baseball cap.
1: No one knows. Well, and after, after that happens and leaves us all, you know, picking our jaws up off the floor, we get into episode five and it pretty much picks up right away. And we see the confrontation of Bucky and Sam with John Walker because they, you know saw what happened or knew what happened, realize that that is not okay. That is not living up to Steve's standards. And they, you know, now we finally get to see this conflict come to a head where they duke it out in an epic triple threat match. Um, and you alluded to it. It was very reminiscent of the one from civil war with, uh, Steve Iron Man, and winter soldier. And it really was cool. Cause I mean, at the end, you know, it took everything out of the guys. Like you see them, like they're, nobody's happy about it yeah nobody wanted to do it but they're all just like laying on the ground exhausted and of course you know Bucky at one point has the shield and I I imagine you all were rooting for him just to keep it
2: I was so glad they gave us that moment uh that's all I wanted I knew like Bucky really has no business having it like in the same vein that like John Walker really has no business having it like they're both just PTSD nightmare boys um like that I love one of them but uh, I love that they, like, panned out and gave us that one shot where he does have the shield. Uh, I was just like, oh, at least I have that <laughs> uh, for the background on my phone or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, but, uh, yeah, that fight was amazing. There are, like, uh, there's—I watched this comparison breakdown uh, of, like, there are, like, shot for shot a lot of similarities with Civil War. But also, of course, like, my thing I'm going to hit again is just, like, the score— it's from that that scene. It's from the same scene in Civil War where it's the three of them fighting. Yeah, they use the same one, um, and they use a lot of the same uh, fighting positions too. So when he's coming down with the shield and stuff like that, which they reference in the end of four where he kills that guy, because uh, it's kind of the same thing that um, Steve does to Tony at the end. But to- like Steve makes the decision to not kill Tony, right. whereas like John obviously like you know uh, <laughs> gets it with that guy, but. Um, yeah, that the fight was amazing. Uh, it could have been 40 minutes longer and I would have watched it, but I'm also a Battle of the Five <laughs> Armies fan. Um, <laughs> they could Endless fight forever. I'm, yeah. I'm down. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally down with it. But uh, the the arm break, I was like... Yeah. But I love that they, like again, that they went that far yeah. with it on Disney+. Snapped
1: his arm right in half at the elbow. Oh, snapped it so hard.
0: <laughs> Had
1: to do it. I like that in
0: the beginning, You know, it, it's kind of the suggestion that they should just go do they should like Bucky and Sam should just go fight John and take the shield. And they're like, no, that's, and Sam talks him out of it. Like, no, that's not going to work. And then ultimately that's what they had to go do. Yeah. Like <laughs> there was no getting around it. It's like, he put, he put them in that position. Like it, it was yeah. the only natural conclusion of that is like, Hey man, like this isn't, y- you can't just walk away from this. Like that didn't just happen. You need to hand the shield over. And if not, we're about to take it by force.
2: And I think that's a great thing about Sam, though, too, is that he was looking for every other option besides fighting, which I didn't even realize until you brought that up that he proposed that in like the second episode or whatever. But uh, I think it was nice that he for Sam tried other ways, uh, but also that Sam didn't want to go that route, too.
1: I mean, the only thing Sam didn't try, though, was like actually working with John. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> like, for his, like, for his cordial as cordial as he tried to be, he, like, never once, in, you know, was cool with tagging up with him, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say, like, John said this, and I guess it's in episode two. He was like, you know, I'm just trying to do the job, and it would be a lot easier if I had Captain America's wingman by my side. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, John saw Sam as a potential sidekick. Cat or Steve never looked at him that way. He was always his partner. You know, and that's a very different dynamic. Um and and Bucky was the same way. Bucky was his partner, not his side his coworker. co-worker. Yeah. Like
1: <laughs> Well, him and Bucky were best friends before any of this happened. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, but the, but the distinction there that John was like, "Come work for me."
1: True. Yeah. Under
0: my guys. And like Sam's too grown up for that. The Falcon is his own man. And he can stand on his own two feet, like
1: as a hero and as a person. So, that's a good point. And they established that because I thought one of the interesting things going back to like the opening scene was we see how much Sam does by himself. You know, even though he is like an Avenger, I mean, the whole thing is him out like running sorties and missions on his own with nobody else until he starts getting the involvement from Bucky and stuff. So, yeah, like he, it's not like he needs other people. He didn't need Steve Rogers to be a hero. Um, They just complemented each other well yeah well and ultimately that first fight really was kind of the highlight for this episode because it slowed back down after that and it kind of just kept feeding us little pieces you know we saw zemo handed over to the wakandans finally so you know maybe or maybe we'll see more of him in the future maybe not we see sharon carter getting even more seedy You know, she's got some really uh, shady conversations she's having with folks to kind of keep giving you that feed that maybe she is the power broker. And then we meet a brand new character to the MCU in uh, Contessa, Valentina, Allegra, Evil Elaine, DeFontaine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I would applaud, but yeah, just applauding with my heart that you nailed that. (laughs) I was like, man, I'm not going to, I don't know any part of her name. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, so, you know, she comes out and and starts having some business with uh, John Walker that we see. But nothing too too much is given away there. And then we get Sam going home for that soul searching. And and honestly, it was a pretty sweet montage, training montage we got there at the end.
2: We got two montages in that episode. That is more montages than we've ever gotten, I think.
1: Buddy montage with him and, and Bucky.
2: Building a boat, which is classic eighties, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, and then and then the training montage of Sam, you know, really picking up the shield and and figuring out the moves and and using the shield. Where do you think that training montage lands on your list of like best training montages of all time? Somewhere between Rocky Three and Rocky Two.
2: <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> F- <laughs> it's like it's very impressive uh my favorite part of that montage is they hit like they'd hit this a couple times in it but uh they really like give it a standalone moment where they call uh his nephews call him uncle sam uh which they've done they did the whole series but like i feel like they're really like no get it yeah. get it uncle Sa- get it yeah uh which i really liked to do but it just that whole thing just made me tired <laughs> because I was like, I know he's in Louisiana and it looks like it's warm outside, so that's got to be miserable. <laughs> like, like I'm sweating watching this.
1: Yeah, but none of them are sweating, which I call bullshit. That, on. Because
2: they're all <laughs> uh, it's, they're just better people than we are. It's, it's fine. True.
1: It's true. It, it was a good scene. Like the whole it worked. But as we went back to what we were saying at the beginning, that was really where I started to think that the show needed more time. Because it yeah. didn't feel like that was properly placed in a way. Like, almost like the, the time in Louisiana should have just been its own entire episode. And then moved in. Whereas we got that blood pumping with that, you know, triple threat match at the beginning. And then kind of went to sleep.
2: Yeah, and I think, too, like, uh, for me, so during the first montage, the 80s boat building, the one one crazy summer montage, you if go, you yeah. will.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> Like, they're doing it, and then, uh, you know, towards the end, Bucky's like, so what do you think about Carly? And I didn't even register what he said because I just assumed he was asking him about a football team or something (laughs) because I was so in this montage um, of, like, them being best friends and building boats or whatever. That was was one of the times where I was like, oh, this needed—yeah, it needed to be longer. It needed to be its own episode. Like, if they had—I feel like if they had stuck—maybe stuck the—I don't know— Just did it a little different or something and made the, though he should have made the John Walker fight 40 minutes long yeah, and then made the the Louisiana thing separate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Just because that, that was really like jarring, I guess to be like, they're doing everything. He's like, Oh, so what do you think about, you know, Carly? And I was like, Oh shit, that's right. All of this is going on. Yeah. They're not going to get to paint the boat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And there's like one line where Sam mentions to his sister or something that, you know, they've been benched. By the government, essentially, which, you know, I guess is to explain why they're now just chilling out instead of continuing to pursue Carly when things were heating up. But it it, it just felt a little out of place at that point, because when you're watching it the first time, my, my thought was like, just coming back for some pizza. You know what I mean? Like, you're just <laughs> yes. hanging out, like, the world's about to end, and you're just, like, chilling, like, whatever, you know? Go paint a <laughs> boat. And, and so it just didn't fit as much, you know?
0: I agree with that. It makes sense, because he was... I think earlier in the series, he had said, like, we're free agents. We don't have to wait for anyone to tell us to go in. Like, we can just go in. And it seemed odd that all of a sudden now he was like, yeah, I'll wait.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, you would have thought that his, like, whole spirit had been broken.
2: Well, his wings got ripped off, I think, too, which is a huge thing, uh, which I thought was cool. I don't know if his wings got actually ripped off in the comic but i know that like it just reminded me of um angel getting his wings ripped off by wolf some shit like in x-men like you know rip the wings yeah. off becomes archangel and all that so i thought that was really cool that it was like Kah! but i think that kind of like maybe precipitated him going home kind of like just being like man what do i have now i don't have wings
1: that's a good point
2: or like having to rebuild or whatever even though like you kind of see that like the falcon is being stripped from him the whole series with Red Wing getting broken in half super great uh, in that second episode. And then his wings getting ripped off and, and then him finally leaving it to Joaquin. Yeah. Then uh, Torres, the next Falcon.
1: That's right. Yeah. His, his sidekick that was kind of only there for like 12 minutes of total screen time,
2: which I was fine <laughs> with. He was, t- he was too earnest.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, that did bring us to the finale then of the series. So in the sixth, uh, the sixth episode, it was really an interesting mix of action and drama. And personally, I don't know if I thought that either were really achieving like a a greatness level. It was good, but um, I think with their kind of dual motivations, with wrapping everything up, it left a little bit to be desired on both sides, even though it was a fitting way to bring everything full circle and give us that resolution for for this series. Um, We see him you know confront the flag smashers and obviously he debuts as Captain America after doing the training montage he gets his new suit we also got confirmation of a lot of the suspicions and i think i got to give you the shout out alex cuz when i was in your chair a couple weeks ago after the first couple episodes we talked a little bit about who we thought the power broker might be and you nailed sharon carter yes. while i was over here you know like oh it's mephisto you know <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it should have been. <laughs> um,
1: no, actually, I think I told you. I thought I was really on the board. I thought it was going to be uh, Wilson Fisk, and you were going to kind of tie him back in, Kingpin. But um, but either way, we got that reveal, and, of course, we also got a lot of interesting call-outs, I think, for the second time here in this episode. We we get the call-out that Stephen Rogers might be on the moon, and so I wanted to kind of stop there because they, they made a point to have two different side characters reference that steve rogers is on a base on the moon and so do you buy that or not
2: i think he's in nick fury's like thing like with the scrolls or whatever like nick fury's in space with the scrolls i think it's at the end of spider-man far from home it's an end uh scene in one of the marvel movies that's come out recently
1: See, I haven't seen Far From Home yet, so that could be why that is. Spoiler alert. It's fine. It's fine. It's it's reached its, (laughs) it's beyond its spoiler (laughs) warning.
0: Is it the sword station?
2: Yes, I think. I know the scrolls are there. I know he's up there. Um, And I think it's at the end of Far From Home, but I'm not sure. But yeah, he's like, it cuts to a beach and then he's like in space and he doesn't have shoes on, which is upsetting to me. But I think he's up there. Uh, That's, that's my guess is that he is up there. I don't think he's actually on the moon. I think it is interesting that Nick Fury's up there because at one point he has that thing with Uh Uatu where he's like he become like he he's revealed to be like Earth's defender, but he does things like
0: oh, in the do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, in the original Sin story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The original Sin. Yeah, Bucky.
2: Bucky ends up being that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I was like, maybe it'll go that way.
0: So condense that for Chris. So at the end of Original Sin, um, Nick Fury basically becomes, like, like the all-seeing person. And he needs to find a, a replacement who's, like, kind of got, like, the the Watcher of the Wall vibes, where he, like, he protects Earth from, you know, he's preemptively protecting Earth from, like, outer, universal people that could interfere. And Bucky, it's, like, a trippy story about Bucky... It's, it's super, super weird. weird. Uh, but then Bucky kind of takes on that role of defending like Earth realm. It's really hard not to make like weird other IP references because it's kind of what it is. He's kind of like the watcher on the wall who's protecting Earth realm from like other multiverses. <laughs> and like it's next comic shipment I'll throw that trade in there and you can be really confused. <laughs>
2: It's super. And also, too, like, so in the comics, like, I don't think Bucky ever gets the super soldier serum, but he does. In that, I think he gets the Infinity something because uh, Nick Fury has it and then they give it to Bucky because Bucky dies or something. I think that's the same one, but it might be confusing that with another one. But um, that's where he has some enhanced abilities is from that and not the super soldier serum.
1: One of the Infinity Stones.
2: No, it's like Infinity Serum or something. Uh, I can't remember what it's called.
1: Okay. It's so hard. I mean, there's a million storylines in comics. There's so many. Because (laughs) comics. You know? Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) Like all the things with the same words. so, well,
0: Steve could be on the moon. He could be on that station. He could be somewhere. Like, just just chilling.
1: Well, I didn't know about the the piece from Far From Home, because like I said, I hadn't watched that yet. But thinking back to WandaVision with that final scene with Monica Rambeau when when we see is it the scroll or the yeah yeah and yeah, the they go up there yeah and she yeah. points up there and talks about you know like the boss or whoever wants to talk to her so when they were so blatant about the steve on the moon thing and how people like kind of average people were like oh yeah like isn't he on the moon like it seems like there's something that they they haven't told us yet really but the people of the world seem to have some idea that something is going on it could be
0: I don't know. I'd also kind of be okay with Chris Evans retiring and not coming back. You know, I know it's a heartbreaker. He was—he's really good. He was amazing. But like, like we said, it, it's time to to move forward with the universe and move forward with characters. Like, you know, if if we keep bringing Chris Evans back, it's going to make it harder to let him go. So there has to be a clean break at some point.
2: I really like I um, Chris. You brought this up to me another time. You were in my chair because we were talking about when Chris Evans got re-signed, and you brought up Hydra Cap. Yeah, and I'm so about that. Uh, I I would love him to come back as as that.
1: That that's the one storyline because I'm kind of with Kyle. Like, let's move on a little bit, at least for a little while. But if they were to do full villain, you know, Hydra Cap, Steve Rogers, I think that that would be would be worth it, just because that would be a big twist for. For the average fans, I think
2: the only other one I would want to see is um the Planet Hulk, Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes, but that's a whole yeah, other thing. That, so. That's kind <laughs> of and that would path. never happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
1: just want Planet Hulk as a movie. That's true. Or World War Hulk, one of those. But going back, is I mean, you are you are right. We are kind of down a line here, Kyle. Um, and I do want to see because really the main main reveal here for this episode at the very beginning was. You know, Okay, now Sam is truly Captain America. He's got that bright, brand new, shiny, straight out of Wakanda suit where he gets his wings back. He's got all the stars and stripes going. He's got the shield. What did you think about the new suit, Kyle?
0: Oh, the new suit looked great. I think the only change I would want to make is, and it is going to make it more comic book accurate, which is not why I'm saying this. I actually think aesthetically the wings should be red. I thought yeah. like that was like it was just too much blue and it was clashing with like the white and I and I actually thought like oh well the the one change you could make is make the wings keep the wings red you know as like the the pang like pang tribute to his time as falcon and it would it would look a lot better for me uh and then also be comic book accurate but the, like I said that's not why I'm saying it but it's a, it's a nice little bonus for me if it is comic book accurate, uh, but I, I really liked it. I thought you know, it, it all made sense. Like, it looked good. Marvel always does a great job with making real, like comic book outfits and uniforms, making them realistic when they bring them to the MCU.: Right. So all in all, like I was really impressed, even though it, it was a lot of white up top.:
1: <laughs> What about you, Alex? Did it work for you?
2: I didn't realize they weren't red, so I agree that they should be red, because uh, I just assumed that they were, and I'm very observant, obviously, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought they would have been red and should be red, so if they're not, yeah. i definitely, yeah, I definitely go with that, but yeah, no, I was into it. It was, um, I'd seen it leaked, that one of the toys got leaked or something, um, unfortunately, so I kind of saw it, and I yeah, I was super pumped that it was accurate, like even the parts that don't necessarily make sense, like leaving his head open, but like aesthetically, it's what you want. Um, cause you can't just have like him in a motorcycle helmet or whatever. Cause that doesn't work.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: But yeah, no, I was, I was super into it, but yeah, I, w- I would also vote to make the wings red
0: in that respect.
1: That's a good call out.
0: They did a, uh, they did this, the whole, you know, same dot little documentary that they did on WandaVision they did on Falcon Winter Soldier. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but they talked about all the touch-ups that they had to do on his neck and his face because they couldn't naturally make the uniform, stick to his face and his cheeks so there's these like there's these creases and there's these like holes that are there when he moves his head and i'm sure any you know anyone that's ever put on a bat cow is familiar with the <laughs> awkwardness of putting on a headpiece and like so they did all these crazy cgi touch-ups to make it so it was flush against his neck and his cheeks it was like wild because that's the type of thing that you would think that they could just skip out on and nobody would say anything cuz like oh yeah that makes sense I'm like well done marvel for paying the extra you know graphics editor to to touch that up and and take it next level
2: i almost brought that up but i was like there's no way <laughs> <laughs> that anyone will care about that so i'm so yeah. excited that you did uh yeah no exactly cuz there's like big gaps and you don't realize like how impactful it is that they like fixed it until you see that like oh oh yeah no that does look way way better and i yeah again yeah love that they took the the minute to uh and not and like they took the time they didn't do the whole thing cg like they did with vision too um just having them just like clean that up a little bit uh so everything is really practical because i do love that about um you know all of the captain america stuff in the mcu is that the textures of it are i feel like are so important i think they've nailed that since the first movie just having everything be really tactile and all of ev- like you just feel everything like uh, you don't get taken out by the cgi very often if ever um in the captain america stuff
1: yeah i didn't even notice it so and i hadn't watched the documentary yet so i mean i'm sitting here going it's, really it's crazy that they even did that because yeah. it, it was top notch
0: yeah we're way past it but when you get to the part where they talk about the squirrel suit scene and the insane amount of touch-ups that are put together on that scene and how they filmed it. Oh, I said, like, we don't need to backtrack and talk about it, but that, like, that little <laughs> yeah. five-minute segment of how they filmed it and then pieced it together is, like, mind-blowing. I literally, we were watching, I turned to Taylor, and I was like, movies are crazy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's wild. And, like, the truck stuff, like, they replaced the, the truck yeah. scene. You got to watch. that documentary is amazing. But, yeah, the fact that they weren't on trucks at all. Ever uh, is crazy.
1: Movie magic, movie magic it is just absolutely nuts. Chris, did you like the the
0: his new cap outfit? Did you feel like it was solid, or were you like, "Oh, get out of here with this"?
1: <laughs> no, I, I thought it was spot on. I mean, Falcon's got a good look, anyways, with the suit, and it's very sleek and modern. So, kind of buffing it up a little bit, and and giving him that different design. You know, a lot of the white it had it stands out even more than the different Captain America suits that Steve wore with the subtle changes. I, it gave me all the feels. I mean, it was I just thought it was so powerful. Like looking at it as this like coming out origin story arc as a whole, the whole build with Sam, you know, slow parts and all to that reveal. I mean, it was just perfect, I thought. and And for me, I also thought it was cool because you realize how much Marvel had faked everybody you know, with, with the shield. Like you had the moment at the end of end game where he gives Falcon the shield, but like nobody really believed that he was going to end up being captain America. And then they kind of doubled down on it at the beginning of this show when Sam gives it away. And then, you know, after all of the struggle and the inner inner turmoil to see him come up in that level of glory with that new suit, I thought was fantastic. And like, You know, it had all the right reverence for the S.H.I.E.L.D. and what Steve stands for and what Captain America should be or really could be. I think that's a lot of what the thing with Sam is, is it's like, what could a black Captain America do for the country or for the people and and all of that? I mean, it was just all captured right there for me, I thought
0: we nailed it when he when he turned to carly and she kind of called him out with being like you putting on the suit of all things and he says i'm trying something different
1: exactly like you're there you, it, it goes back to what we were saying like you know there's so much that is good about america but there's also a lot that needs to be fixed it was just it was all like captured i thought really well in this moment
2: i like too that um like so now we've lost iron man and captain america in this world right now but uh i liked how it incorporated like his jet stuff yeah uh, to like compensate for the super soldier like n- him not taking the super soldier serum because it also kind of felt like iron manny too so it's kind yes. of i feel like he's kind of taking this like you know alpha superhero lit not label title or whatever like he's taking this position um and i i really liked how they combined um some of the jets and the movement and how like you know, a little later on in the episode where he's saving the truck thing uh, or the, yeah, armored the armored truck vehicle. that the senators yeah. are in. And he uses, like, you know, he's got the detached things that, like, come off and shoot, kind of like Iron Man used in Spider-Man, yeah. the first one, <laughs> to push the boat together. Right, like, yeah. It was a lot of reminiscent for that. So I feel like it was, like, kind of cathartic in that way that you're like, oh, we have our we have our Captain America back and maybe we have a little bit of Iron Man back, too.
1: That's true, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like a hybrid of both. Yeah.
0: And it's acknowledged that, well, I guess his new suit is Wakandan, but the original suit was Stark Tech integrated into it. I thought it was, I thought that his using of his Falcon powers, even though they're not powers, but just for general conversation, the Falcon powers was like an awesome way to kind of establish that he's going to be his own Captain America in a way that, like, when we saw John, like I said, John was all S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And as much as he said, I'm not trying to be Steve, He was very much trying to be Steve in his the way he he fought and like held himself and Sam didn't at all. Sam out the gate was utilizing the wings and utilizing the jetpack and doing, you know, everything that he was comfortable doing and then adding in the shield and just like building it into his his move set. It was very much like, okay, he's not forgetting his roots,
1: which which I thought was awesome. Well, and they established, like, a really cool level of comfort, you know, fairly early on in that final that final episode because he has the initial fight. You know, he comes into the building, and then he just, like, throws the shield out the window and then dives after it and, like, catches it in midair. And it's, like, that was kind of an advanced move for somebody who's only now been trained with the shield, you know, since, like... For yeah. a single yeah, montage. for single <laughs> montage, exactly. <laughs> And and so I'm totally with you there. I thought they they highlighted that well. It was kind of cool how the shield was almost like its own character in this show. Yeah. And like the way they displayed it, the way they talked about it, it almost gave the shield even more life than it had before.
2: It's like the Millennium Falcon, like, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, this is its own character. Like, if that had been exploded at any point, you would be like, oh, my God. Right. Uh, And I feel like the shield kind of carried that same weight into this show with it being, like you said, like its own character, like its own thing, um, to where you really care, you know, where it is. And it wouldn't just, like, you couldn't just make another shield like that as
1: the shield. Right. Well, and we saw that too, (laughs) right, to to that point, was, was Mr. Walker created his own shield out of but looked to be like aluminum foil and some yeah. <laughs> war metals, you know, once it started getting used, it was just t- tin canned, you know, destroyed pretty quickly. But, you know, it, uh, that was a cool way. And I didn't think about it to you just say, but like, you know, they kind of made that point. Like there's only one vibranium Captain America shield.
2: Well, I think they hit that really hard in the first one. Cause they're like, this is all the vibranium. In the world, even though obviously it wasn't <laughs> true, because <laughs> Bucky could have gone and gotten another shield at any point in time. Obviously, since he comes up with this Wakanda whole suit, right? But like, he wanted to get that one because, like, he's like, no, this is this is it. Like, we like it's like if your kid gets kidnapped, like, oh, well, we can make another kid <laughs> or we could go get our kid. Like, let's go yeah, get right. our kid.
1: Yeah,
0: I think Bucky says at one point that the shield is family to him. Yeah, like, and that kind of plays on the, the same themes there. I think he's also wearing Steve's dog tags, but mm. that's, I won't touch that. Um, but, uh,
1: it's possible.
2: I, I think Because, I, like, okay, I'll go into it. Uh, so Buck, when Bucky falls off the train, he's wearing his dog tags, falls dead Hydra. They didn't give him new dog tags and he's wearing some super old dog tags. So I think he's wearing Steve's dog tags.
1: Hmm. I mean, that would be a pretty powerful thing for Steve to have given right? Yeah, I mean, if you think about any soldier, they, they usually relish those dog tags.
2: And I don't think he's wearing them at the end game. I haven't gone back and watched it. He's got the book that he gives back to the therapist. Uh, but I think and like he gave the shield to Sam. But I think he's got the dog tags that are that he's keeping.
0: I know what I'm Googling
1: when we wrap. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Does he have the dog tags?
2: Yeah, I kept waiting for them to say something about it because as soon as he had the notebook, I was like, that's Steve's notebook. He definitely has Steve's (laughs) notebook. And then it was and I did a backflip and I was like, I'm the most right person on Earth. Um, And so I kept waiting for the dog tags because they show them quite a bit. And they're obviously old and they obviously are not his because his are like in a hydra dumpster back in the 40s or whatever.
1: That's a good pickup. Yeah, that's a subtle touch. But
2: if I wasn't, you know, it's I'm looking for certain things out of this. (laughs) (laughs) That uh,
1: That was one of them. Yeah, we're going to be like a couple movies down the line. They're going to reveal that. And, and every social media account you own is going to be like, I was fucking
2: right. Yeah. He's gonna <laughs> tattoo it like I was right about the dog tag. Just tattooed across my throat.
1: I'm going to hold you to that. That would uh, be awesome. I will. <laughs> well, I know we're probably wrapping up here. And we definitely weren't able to touch on everything. Um, but just a couple other quick highlights here from the end of The episode here was we saw uh, Zemo get some vengeance with his butler being real creepy and (laughs) killing a number of the Flagstaff super soldiers, or the Flag Smasher super soldiers. And then we see John Walker, you know, go back uh, in a short moment with Evil Elaine to get his official, you know, black and red U.S. agent suit and the name. So a lot more to come from there. But uh, I really just wanted to see... As we wrap up here, maybe final thoughts on where you think we're going from here with these characters. Do you think we get another season? Does it go straight into a movie? You know, they changed the the title at the very end of the show from Falcon and Winter Soldier to Captain America and Winter Soldier. So what's coming next?
2: I think we're going to get the Thunderbolts, which I'm super amped on, because uh, I well, I think, I think we'll get the thunderbolts if suicide squad does
1: well. <laughs> okay, I think
3: we'll get the thunderbolts.
2: Yeah. Um, but like yeah, just they're taking him to the raft, like they're taking like I feel like they're just sending everybody to the raft, and then that's going to be where it all happens. Um, I think we'll, we're going to get Captain America four because they already said that. I think I'm fingers crossed for a second season season, uh, if only for more long hair winter soldier <laughs> flashbacks.
1: That would be sweet.
0: <laughs> they, they did plant a lot of seeds like, for, for different directions I could go, like, perfect, yeah, pick up on, on the Thunderbolts possibly happening with Evil Elaine, like, playing that Madame Hydra-type role. Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Ross is still out there. Uh, you actually alluded to it earlier, but Joaquin Torres, who takes up the mantle of Falcon after Sam becomes captain, and he was left, and, like, I didn't notice this until Danny Ramirez, who I believe is the actor that plays him, tweeted this. It's his hand touching the broken wings and he like tweeted this out and i was like oh my god are they going in that direction where like they they planted the seeds with with joaquin and now they're gonna have him pick up and i think if they go that direction tv show but uh everything else i think they're gonna dip back into the movies and i say that because i think anthony mackie and sebastian sand are just not too big for a tv show um, you know, obviously they're probably making movie-style money with Disney and Marvel, but I feel like Marvel is is playing with TV shows, but they really want to get back into cinema epics.
1: Well, and even if if Anthony and Sebastian aren't too big for TV, I mean Captain America is. Yeah. And while it worked here, I mean he's really needs to be on the big screen making that big screen money for the company. If that makes sense, yeah, you know, he, definitely. <laughs> he's your star, your star shortstop, you know, <laughs> he is like the guy. And so I, I think I, I, they have to do a movie. Like if you're going to commit this hard to Anthony Mackey as captain America, like you need to fully legitimize it with a big screen feature film around him and, and get him into the mix with the Avengers or, or whatever it may be, so um, I'm definitely excited for that. There's a ton more else that is coming out, and so we will definitely have to wait and see exactly how it unfolds. Um, probably won't have the time to go into all the announcements that came out today, but God,
2: so many. <laughs> yeah, at
1: the, the time of recording, it was you know Marvel Monday essentially, so we saw all of the next Phase Four movies come out. Kyle and I will probably dip into that in a future episode. But movies are coming back. You know, the world is returning to all is right. And we have a new Captain America. So it's a good time to be alive. I'll say it's altogether, it is
0: 21 pieces of content. It's 10 shows and 11 movies.
1: That's coming. Yeah, That's wild. Like yeah. if
0: you add in like Loki and the What If and the Guardians Holiday Special, She-Hawk, Iron, you know, Ironheart, Armor Wars. And those are just the TV shows. And then get into the Eternals and all that. Yeah, it's 21 pieces of content. So much content. Here
1: for it. Yeah, I think they announced through 2023 today. So that that's how much it was. It, we're going to be stacked multiple times. Every, it's all we're going to talk about, Kyle, yeah. on the podcast moving forward is going to be Marvel. <laughs> Can't wait to listen. <laughs> Well, Alex, thank you so much for finally coming on and joining us. It was a great uh No, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I want to give another I'm so honored. quick plug on where everybody can check you out, and then we'll uh, we'll cash out here.
2: I tattoo in Charlotte, North Carolina. You can find uh, more about me and my shop at ironghosttattoo.com, or we're on Instagram at ironghosttattoo. And uh, my personal Instagram is alextattoosnc as in North Carolina. Uh, and I, I do nerdy tattoos when I can on
1: Chris. Usually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All the tattoos.
2: But yeah, no, thank you guys so much. Um so honored that I got to talk about this stuff and not just scream at my coworkers about it while they try to ignore <laughs> me. Uh <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, this was this was so much fun. Thank you guys so
1: much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this chapter, be sure to hit the subscribe button to get new chapters of Geek Catch Up every two weeks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Castbox, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to follow the show on social media, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube at Geek Ketchup Podcast, or on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Ketchup Pod. Links to all these accounts are in the show notes below and on our website, GeekKetchupPodcast.com. Stay saucy, you nerds.